Hey, hey, and welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we're here to talk about all the things going on in the Big Ten. It's the basketball episode. We're going to be talking hoops. We're going to be talking a lot of in-season tournaments. Purdue won the Maui Invitational. Ohio State won the Emerald Coast Classic. Penn State went winless in the ESPN's Event Invitational. We're going to go through all of those and some more. And, of course, we've got our IU resident, uh, often daunted, Burke with us today. So we'll talk a little bit of IU just to make him happy. Burke, how are you doing? Tell the people who you are, where they can find you at. Hey, I am doing better after the second half of the Harvard game, but it has been a struggle this season. Um, he, yeah, it's it's been fun covering this team, but it has been a, uh, it's been painful at times. That being said, hey, I'm Burke White. Uh, you can catch me everywhere. Uh, you get your podcasts at Often Daunted. That's the name of the show. You can find me on all socials at Often Daunted. And uh, JR, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, man. Glad to have you here. We also got Frank from Boiler Express with us. Frank, go and introduce yourself and tell people where they can find you at. Yeah, uh, name's Frank. Uh, as he said, I am with uh, Boiler Express Podcast. You can find us at Twitter. It's kind of our primary presence at Boiler underscore Express can also find us on youtube and facebook where we go live if audio is your thing spotify apple Podcasts, really anywhere you can listen to uh, audio podcasts you can find us on there super stoked to be here tonight talk some ball and uh, yeah looking forward to it awesome well thanks for being here both of you guys appreciate it uh love both your insights and love both your podcasts i'm glad to have you guys here all right well uh before we get started just a reminder we are brought to you by big banter sports big for all your big 10 media needs check out all your basketball and football content you need over there and hey if you're watching on youtube please do like and subscribe we appreciate that helps the podcast even if you're like i hate this podcast downvote us i don't care it helps us out okay so it, just do something comment i hate you it doesn't matter just do something it helps put it out there more uh if you're on podcast please do leave us a rating we appreciate that i have no idea what the ratings do for the podcast so you know uh, i appreciate a five-star rating but also be honest we want to know what you think of the podcast and do that kind of stuff so all right guys let's get into it first story we're going to talk about is kasai tamanaga um nebraska is seven and oh um, currently atop the Big Ten standings right now, Purdue is most likely going to be tied with them at the end of tonight as they're playing Texas Southern right now, and it's going Purdue's way as I have it on my iPad here next to me. But I do want to talk about this Nebraska team because I tweeted out a few days ago, Penn State was up there with the undefeateds of Purdue and Nebraska. Of course, they lost three games. We'll talk about them a little bit later on. But this is kind of unexpected. I don't think people expected a Nebraska team to start 7-0. and Kasai Tominaga is playing really well. Um, Burke, what are your thoughts on uh, Tominaga this year and what he's doing for the Cornhuskers? I mean, Kasai's been great. Uh, I truly I truly thought, though, at the jump of the season, it was going to be him just going out there and hunting every shot opportunity he could. It looks like this season he's working within the offense a lot better, slowing it down. He's not he's not forcing anything. The the shots are making themselves present and it's just it speaks to what they're doing on the offensive end but it also his supporting cast is just really helping him out this year. And like uh I mean on that rink mast, I'm sorry, you wanted to talk about Tomanaga, but rink mast this this Dutch destroyer that they got in from Bradley. This guy he's averaging a 14 point double double right now. He he has brought something to that front court that I, I didn't think they had last year. And uh I mean 
that and in in tandem with just the, I think they're working like three forwards right now that are really really just t- taking care of business down low, getting allowing Tomonaga to lurk on the outside and take full advantage of his opportunities. But it, it's him and then Juwan Gary coming off the bench. Juwan Gary has is making his case for six man of the year for sure. Um, I think he, he has yet to crack the starting lineup, but uh, they it, it's it's crazy. He's leading the team, I believe, in points per game right now, and it's just offering something that this Nebraska team has not had. And I mean, while I wouldn't be afraid of an undefeated Nebraska team with uh, just the competition they've played so far. I think this season might be a little different for him. Yeah, Fred Hoiberg has ter- certainly put a team together here, not just, you know, have a few good players playing well, but as you as you said, Tom and August supporting cast as well as really coming through and giving him some more support and just the way they play together, the way the offense is flowing now, you know, they, they haven't played the best schedule in the world. They've not upset a Kentucky or something like that. Uh, they'll have their chance against Creighton. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in a second, but overall, I've been very impressed with this team. Like you said, rank mast, uh, Juwan Gary scoring a lot of points. Uh, Frank, what's kind of been your thoughts on Tominaga and just kind of Nebraska as a whole so far this season? Yeah, I mean, uh, to uh, kind of echo here what, what Burke said, I mean, I think everyone thought it was going to be the Tominaga show, yeah, and uh, it, it hasn't been the case at all. And that being said, like, he's still he's still on fire. I mean, especially when you look at his numbers, he's still shooting 40% from three. Um, but really what's impressed me the most about him this season is he's getting to the line a lot more. Right, last season, we saw him at 17% free throw rate. That's up to 36.2 this season. So we're seeing him look, looking to score in other ways and really getting to the basket, you know, drawing those fouls and, and making teams pay when they when they uh, really try to close out on him. So, I mean, I just think he's kind of taken that leap in, in other ways, not necessarily from a role aspect, but he's really improved as a player. And I think that has a lot to do with his experience over the summer and the FIBA games as well. Um, but, you know, he is... I mean, like, how do you how do you dislike the guy, right? He's he's a fan favorite, but I don't think you know anyone, you know, expected what we've seen from seen from Juwan Gary so far. And you're right, you know, their best win is only over Duquesne, but you know, I like this Nebraska team. They are fun and they're undefeated, and you can't argue with that. You're right. I think I think that's a great way to put it. Like they're just a fun team to watch. They play well together. They you know they're always rooting for each other. Tominaga is a star that is shooting really well and fun to watch. I just think it's been his aggression this year. You know the way he's been aggressive, like you said, to get to the basket, not afraid to get to the free throw line, do those kind of things, uh, and really taking his shot and owning his shot as well. I'm not saying he's taking bad shots or things that he shouldn't take, but it just feels like he is in more command of his game, you know, really operating the way he wants to play and not, you know, kind of like the new guy playing that, you know, is looking for a spot on the team. Um, So Creighton is coming up, right? Creighton, number 15 team. They've had a good season so far. Um, I think they have, what, one loss? I, uh, I yeah, they lost to Colorado loss. State. Colorado State, that's right. So not a great loss for them, uh, but they did beat Iowa earlier this season, uh, five and one, number one in the big East, uh, in terms of, uh, wins and things like that. So, uh, it's, it's been an overall good season for them. Um, I don't know how much of a, you know, win on the resume they're going to be at the end of the season, but right now they're ranked 15th. Burke, what are your thoughts going into this game versus, uh, versus the Blue Jays? I, I mean, I think Creighton's great. They, they're going to live and die with how their shots fall. But, I mean, they can make them at an incredible clip. That Colorado State team, I think by the end of the season, we're going to look back, and I, I think they're really going to build something. 
Um, yeah, I think this is going to be an absolute battle. It is. It's it's their first true test, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't know if – I mean, it is a three-man rotation that the Huskers are op- operating with in the front court. So if Creighton can somehow get them in foul trouble, we'll see what this Cornhusker team is made of. But, uh, yeah, as, as far as who I think is going to win, I would I would bet on Creighton. But I – you can't count out the Huskers. They're they're undefeated right now. We're going into December. They're undefeated. Yeah, I mean, make it through November and you're undefeated, even if you're not playing, you know, quote unquote, the best schedule ever. That's still impressive for just about any team uh, to play through. Frank, what are some of your thoughts going into this one? Yeah, I mean, we saw Nebraska, you know, go on the road and take down Creighton, you know, last year. And and I, I, I want to uh, I, you know, I don't think the Colorado State loss is that bad. You know, they're currently ranked 29th in Ken Palm. And they're currently currently top 40 in both offense and defense in Ken Palm. So, you know, they don't have a signature win yet, you know, outside of Creighton. But, you know, we're, we're time will tell if that was an outlier or if that wasn't. Um, but ultimately, you know, Burke, as you said, it really comes down to Creighton's shot. They're going to live or die by the three. And that's ultimately what went wrong for them in that Colorado State game. So they actually lead the country. They're number one in the country in percent of points from three. And they're third in three-point attempt rate. So this is a team that's going to live or die by the three. The only question is, you know, in that front court, who do they have that's going to handle Ryan Kalkbrenner? And I think it's going to be by committee. But we saw him do it last year. Granted, this is a very different uh, Creighton team. You know, they lost some key pieces. But uh, right now, you know, Ken Palm predicts a one-point win for Creighton. So I think this game is going to be a lot closer. Nebraska does have the home advantage. They have the hype right now. I imagine fans are going to show out for that one. I think there's a pretty good chance we see the Huskers beat Creighton. Damn. Hey, before we continue, just – Credit Frank for bringing the numbers today. <laughs> <laughs> Frank's always I'm got numbers the numbers guy. ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, well, I, I think, you know, you look at Colorado State and you make a good point. They, they're they higher up there than Kim Palm, uh, in Kim Palm than people might think. Um, you know, I think p- the Creighton Blue Jays, they really relied on Kalkbrenner a lot last year. Uh, there was some kind of crazy stats on like their point differential without Kalkbrenner than with him. I forget exactly what it was, but it was something crazy last year where Kalkbrenner was obviously just the guy they needed. Uh, but I don't, I don't think they're quite that team as much this season to where they're relying on Kalkbrenner offensively and defensively as much. They still rely on him a lot. And like you pointed out, Frank, they are a very three point heavy team. Uh, so, I mean, they only scored 48 points against Colorado state in that game. That's not what you're going to see after scoring over 80, almost over 90 in every other game to score, to score 48 points. That's just unreal to go from, from that average down to that. So uh, it's an interesting one. We'll see how it goes. I, I personally like the Cornhuskers a lot. I don't think they're fake. I don't think they're fool's gold. I think that this team is a better team than maybe we gave them credit for in the preseason. And I think that they might be able to shock some people and uh, shock the, the Blue Jays coming up here soon. As well, any final thoughts about the Cornhuskers uh, in Creighton or any other players on Nebraska guys? Well, I just think as a whole, the Big Ten needs this win. So go, go Huskers! Yeah. For sure, for sure. And the the Big Ten has got some really good wins lately because Purdue wins the Maui Invitational. I, just a crazy Maui Invitational as well. I mean, you look at the names of the the teams who were in here. You look at the names of the coaches. The names of, these these aren't just like teams that have g- good numbers next to their names. These are real coaches coaching really good teams. And Matt Painter showed that hey, this team can go in and. Then 
they, they can win a tournament and they can play well in a tournament. And that's got to be really, really good news for the Boilermakers. I mean, we're talking about beating Shaka Smart. We're talking about beating uh, Gonzaga. We're talking about meeting some really good players. Uh, Tyler Kolick. I mean, these are really, really good teams that they were able to take down. I don't know if Gonzaga is as good as they normally are, but I don't want to disparage them at all because you, know, you look at Gonzaga every single year and they're still up there. Frank, tell me about the Boilermakers. What was it in this tournament that really put them over the top? Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in, in terms of, you know, what went right, you know, I felt that Purdue came to play defensively. Now, Matt Painter would disagree with me on that. I know he's uh, been pretty critical of the team's defensive performance, but really that's been the big surprise this season has been Purdue's defensive effort. I think they're currently fourth or fifth in Ken Palm. Uh, it bounces all over the place. I've been following it all season, but yeah, I think really, you know, defensively, we we force teams to kind of play our brand of basketball, which is kind of what we saw Marquette do against Kansas. Um, and I think that, you know, Purdue to go through and win this, you know, and still have turnover issues, still struggle from the free throw line is just a testament to how good this team can actually be when they're playing their best basketball, uh, which I think they were they were far from that in the Maui Invitational. But yeah, three, uh, three really exciting games uh, got my heart rate up quite a bit, uh, especially that last one, you know, to see um, Marquette make that comeback that they, that they did. But just just a great, you know, um, tournament out there in Hawaii and really happy to see the Boilermakers take the win for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think you saw a little bit of everything you wanted to see from this Boilermaker team. You saw Fletcher Lawyer come out and have a really good game, 27 points against Tennessee. He was kind of struggling. Um, I was joking with Russ last podcast that I was like, should Fletcher Lawyer be starting? And then that same night, he scores 27 points. So it's like, yeah, he should be starting. <laughs> well, that was the entire uh, Purdue fan base, seemingly, too, that exactly. was uh, criticizing his starting position for sure. Exactly. He took a little bit slower to get started, but uh, in addition to that, you saw Marquette come back and Purdue fight back and get a close win as well. So it's not like they just blew every team out and didn't have anything close. I mean, I think you saw a little bit of everything you wanted to see from this Boilermakers team and the Maui Invitational. That's got to feel really, really good for Boilermaker fans. Uh, Burke, I know it's going to be hard for you to say good things about Purdue, but uh, we made Russ say good things about Indiana last podcast. So I think you can muster something up, right? It's it's hard to say it, but it's easy to see it. Like it's Zach Eady is just tall. It, that it's not a thing. It's yeah. it, it may have been during the Ivy year. It truly may have been, but that it's no longer the case. This this sucks. I this is painful to say, guys. I'm I'm <laughs> like truly this is painful. But uh, he's just playing with this mean ass nature, and it just it's it's pairs so well with this ludicrous stature um it's just just far more competitive than we've seen him and that's something crazy to say about somebody who's already the national reigning player of the year um i mean anybody who everybody would kill to have this guy on their team and then braden smith braden smith this i am getting sick talking about this but braden smith he he's taken the leap forward that everyone had said he would. Uh, he still he still turns the ball over quite a bit, but with his ability, I mean, he's making passes and getting assists with just far more confidence than we saw all last season. And uh, it's an absolute gem of a guard that Matt Painter was able to find under the radar, under the nose of just the entire country. And uh, listen my level of animosity for him can pretty well correlate with just the value of his play. And I have a feeling I'm just going to hate him more and more and more. And (laughs) 
but like there has to be a ceiling there for like the sake of who's your psyches everywhere. There has to be a ceiling there. So, I mean, I hope to God we are seeing that ceiling right now, but he, he's just bringing it. And then on, the worst part of all of this, sorry. So what? <laughs> on, I, I just had a quick question. I remember, you know, two or three months ago, you had said that you were sick of hearing that Braden Smith has taken the next step. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Frank, yeah. Let's not forget. He's got received. Has he, has he in your opinion? He, has, he I mean, yeah, step? it's it's undeniable what he's doing, and that it sickens me, sickens me to see, sickens me to talk about. <laughs> but it, I, this has to be it, right? Like, it, which is crazy to say about a sophomore, but this has to be the ceiling. I need it to be the ceiling. <laughs> and then the the worst part of this whole Purdue team this year, which is probably the best part in Frank's eyes, the worst part is this is just the most fleshed out squad that they've had in my recent memory. Um, I mean, Coffin Wren, Miles Colvin, Lance Jones, and having their starting forward from last season come off the bench, like it they look like a juggernaut this season. They it's 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 crippling to my spirit, but they they look damn good and if if there isn't a leap in the play of some other Big Ten team right now, they're gonna run away with it. And that that truly pains me to say. Props to you for being able to get through that, uh, Brooke. I know that wasn't easy for you, and if any of your fans are listening, they probably yeah. are, are. Guys, I'm sorry. Right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, but. Uh, no, I think, you know, Braden Smith, to me, uh, the thing I was looking at this year more than anything else was the turnovers. And early on in the season, uh, before the Maui Invitational, I wasn't really ecstatic about some of the turnovers he had. I didn't feel like he had improved greatly in that area, but he is fouling less this season. He's getting more steals. Uh, his assists are up almost by two more assists per game. The rebounds are still are, uh, are, are up as well. So, um, you know, even though I think that the turnover have, has not been as good of an improvement as I would have hoped. Um, you know, he, he's doing all the little things you want your point guard to do. He's, he's shooting 50% from three point. I think he's shooting the same percentage from three pointers as he is from free throws, which that's just kind of funny. Um, but you know, his rebounds are up his assists are up. He's just doing all the things you need your point guard to do. So if he can just get those turnovers down, which it's hard to critique him because he's just playing so doggone well. Um, but his points are up. I mean, this guy is doing everything you want you wanted him to do in the offseason. Not just about everything you wanted him to improve at in the offseason to really take this team to the next step of where they need to be. Frank, you have any thoughts on Braden Smith and his improvement? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing for me this season is him looking to score more. Yeah. Um, you know, and so there, there, there was kind of a long game going on with, with Painter in that, you know, the first several games, even going back to the exhibition games, that you know, they were setting high ball screens uh, for Braden. And if the defense didn't switch, if they dropped or went under, he was shooting. Right. And so the first team that we saw who actually respected that was Marquette, who actually switched and were, you know, creating mismatches down low with Edie and forcing him to double. Now, granted, Edie had five turnovers passing out of those, but you know, he, I think he's kind of established himself as an offensive threat where he was a guy where, you know, if he was open, he was going to shoot. But now you see him looking for his own shot. And I don't think anyone expected that. And yes, yeah, I mean, his turnover numbers haven't improved like we hoped, but, you know, his assist percentage is up 15% from last season, right. which is really encouraging to see. And, you know, it's something that even happens at the pro level too, that, you know, the best passers often have the most turnovers as well. So, 
that might just be something we have to live with, you know, from as a from the fan perspective. But yeah, couldn't be happier with with Braden. And um, I uh, I hope this isn't his ceiling. I hope he's uh, he continues to grow. But we'll see what happens. Well, in less than three turnovers per game is not bad. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to make it sound like he's bad with his turnovers. He's not. Um, you just he hasn't had less than two all season. But like I said, that's not bad. It's just not the improvement that maybe people wanted to see. But you're exactly right. If you're going to be passing as much as he is, those turnovers are naturally going to come just becomes you know, you're passing so much. I was really impressed with him against Marquette. Four for six from behind the three-point line, 18 points. Uh, I think you're right, Frank. They were really hunting him a little bit more to make sure he wouldn't shoot, and he still looked for a shot. He still got there. He didn't rely all on Evie like sometimes we saw him do a little bit last year, which I can't really blame him for. You got a 7-4 guy that's in the paint. You know, if I was stressed out, I'd probably just pass to him as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think the the development of Braden Smith is where this team is what this team needed to kind of be this team uh, that can go out and win tournaments and do those kind of things. So it's, it's, gonna be it's really, really interesting. It's made like they're they always had that A option last season. Yeah, but it's made their B, C and D options so much more apparent and like just damaging to any opponent they're going to face. And yeah, the Big Ten has to figure something out to stop these guys. Well, I think yeah, I mean, one thing that's that, that I think one thing that's different is the addition of Lance Jones right now, too. Yeah. And that, you know, last season, Purdue did not have an equivalent. And I think Lance Jones is probably the most athletic guard we've had since Jaden Ivey. Uh, I mean, and we, we've had good guards. I just think he's, you know, up there in athleticism. So we, we really didn't have someone who could, you know, just kick it into extra gear and get to the basket like he can, can really get back in transition and make shots difficult for other guys. So I think that's what makes this Purdue team a little bit different is A, the depth piece and B, the addition of Lance Jones. I agree. Yeah, I like I like the the guys around the team as well. Colvin as well. He didn't score any points against Tennessee and Marquette, but early on in the season, he was kind of picking up for Fletcher Lawyer. Um, I think he was the guy that people were kind of vying to start over Fletcher Lawyer, weren't they, Frank? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think he's a good player. I don't know if he's going to be scoring you 10 points every single game, uh, but he's definitely there when you need it. So that's a good option to have. All right, let's move on to Ohio State. Ohio State wins the Emerald Coast Classic, uh, beating Alabama. Uh, Santa Clara they beat as well, not as well known of a team, but they were undefeated. They did beat Oregon to get to the championship to play Ohio State. So that was a good performance from the Buckeyes to beat them. And the Buckeyes are kind of rolling. And guys, we weren't really sure too much what, what to expect after their AM loss at home early in the season. I think it was their second game. But Bruce Thornton, guys, 17.2 points per game. Roddy Gale, 15 points per game. I mean, when you got two guards that together are averaging 3.3 turnovers per game and they're scoring over 30 points per game together, that is really, really difficult to stop. Burke, what do you think about the Emerald Classic and these Ohio State Buckeyes? Last time I was on this show, I I was who was it with us? Adam Judy was that Adam his Jardy. last? Yeah, Jardy. Yeah, I I had brought up the fact that Ohio State up to that point looked like it was going to be another sense of all NBA audition tape, but this time for Thornton. Right. And then he said, "No, no, it's it's been made clear that Ohio, that Holtman's going to have these guys um, much more consciously share this ball and." immediately right after we had that discussion it that it seems to be the case yep they they're distributing it far better i mean that has created opportunities for jameson battle to do damage from beyond the arc like he, he's just a great lurker on the perimeter and uh 
Yeah, it has taken a while, but I, I think Felix Akpara is starting to find that sophomore bump. Um, it's really that defensive anchor they need down there, you know? Yeah, but but even more than that, like I, I we were talking so highly of Juwan Gary coming off the bench. Like Zed Key, Key, Zed Key is absolutely a six-man that is making his presence known for like six-man of the year yeah. running. Yeah, he is for sure. I wasn't too sure about the Zed key coming off the bench decision by Holtman, but it, it's really paying off. I think Akara yeah. is that defensive, you know, anchor you need to start the game, uh, and he really brings that energy to really help them out. So, uh, and Evan Mahaffey, Evan Mahaffey has been the surprise this season. That I mean, he's not doing a ton—three point five points per game, three point three rebounds. So he's not like he's putting up gaudy stat numbers or anything like that but he he's a presence on the defensive end and he has a lot of energy and his length is crazy I don't I don't have his exact measurements in front of me but he's just a really really long guy who can make things happen and guard multiple positions which is really impressive and something they need uh Frank what are your thoughts on the Buckeyes and the Emerald Classic and just overall as a whole yeah, I mean, just starting on the team as a whole, you know, I think a lot of people thought this was going to be the Jamison battle show it was going to be his team. And, you know, no one really saw the Thornton and Gale, you know, barrage that we've seen so far. I mean, just to you know, look at their numbers against uh, Alabama, you know, Thornton goes uh, goes for 29, four for six from three, 13 for 14 at the line. Roddy Gale goes for 23 against a really good Alabama team. I mean, that's that's important. These guys are sophomores, too. I mean, that, that, that's the crazy thing. And yeah, I mean, Zed Key, you know, he's had a rough go of it in his career. He's battled injuries, but he's, he's, he's doing the intangibles, right? He's doing the, the little things. He's, he's, you know, rebounding hard. He's defending hard. Same with Akpara. I mean, it's, it's, I'm really excited to see what this team does going forward and how they carry that momentum from Alabama. I mean, and Santa Clara beat Oregon. I mean, that, that was still, you know, Ken Palm top 120 win for them. Yeah. I mean, Texas A&M, that's not a bad loss uh, for this Buckeye team. And I think that they actually got better from it. I mean, and, and I'm I'm really excited to watch these two guards going forward. And it's feel like they were guys that really weren't talked about preseason as much as what you would have think, especially compared to the um, the output we've seen from them so far. But yeah, they're looking like two of the best guards in the conference right now. Well, I think it's helped to have Dale Bonner come off the bench as well. I mean, this was a guy at Baylor that he did not get his praises sung enough for what he was able to do at Baylor. Um, and I'm learning from listening to some guys on the beat who kind of hear a little bit more about the games and uh, the team. Dale Bonner is just exactly what you want in a teammate in the locker room. I mean, he he's pumping those guys up. He's the positive influence you need, but he's also one of those guys that just gets on guys. He's not afraid, even if he's only playing, you know, uh, 15, 20 minutes per game he's not afraid to get on guys he's not afraid to be that senior leader and I think that was something that Ohio State lacked last year I don't think anybody was getting on Bryce Sensible I don't think anybody was getting on the defense and saying guys we have to lock down when our shots don't go in on the other end and it really feels like Ohio State has that this year uh, with their leadership and what they're able to do so um, really really good things for the Buckeyes so far I'm, I'm impressed I think that things are going to keep going well for them um, and, and I'm right there with you Frank that A&M loss I think did a whole lot more good for them as a team than maybe it would have you know been a good W on the schedule so any more thoughts on Ohio State before we end up with them guys Nope. All right, let's get to Penn State. This one's going to be a little bit more depressing because Penn State, oh, they started so well. They started 4-0. They were up there with Nebraska. Uh, they lost to, uh, who was their first game? They lost to 
Texas A&M. Uh, we were talking about them. Lost to Texas A&M first in the tournament. Then they lost to Baylor. Uh, and then Mike Rhodes' old team, VCU, he loses to them the final game of the tournament. Uh, Frank, you, you've seen Penn State a little bit this year. Uh, and uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately it's, you know, they're trying to find their new identity. Um, and with as many, you know, new pieces that they have, I mean, granted, you know, some of these guys came over um, from VCU with Mike Rhodes, but, you know, ultimately, you know, he's had his, his defensive prominence, right? I mean, you know, VCU was 15th in defense last season, seventh in adjusted defense two seasons ago, 14th, three seasons ago, but you know, they, we're starting to see that trickle in. They're forcing a lot of turnovers. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's, it's how do these pieces fit together? So, yeah, they started 4-0, but none of those were against great teams. Their best win was coming over Moorhead State. You know, Texas A&M, not an embarrassing loss like we just talked about. Right. Butler, okay, that, that's an acceptable. Like, we can we can deal with that. But VCU, that that's kind of where, um, you know, in terms of a ranking standpoint, you want a Big Ten team to, to win that game. Um, but, you know, they're a team that's that's not shot the ball well from three, but they're taking a lot of threes as well. Uh, anytime you have, you know, a coaching turnover, you have so many new pieces, it's just going to take some time to get things, you know, up and running. Uh, I think come mid season, this team's going to have things figured out, especially on the defensive end. You know, they're currently 105th in Ken Palm. And that's just not what we see from Mike Rhodes. So I think that, you know, given his experience, given his, you know, prominence on the defensive end, we're going to see a much better product defensively and probably offensively uh, from this team. Yeah, I think the defense is there. My concern is is the rebounding uh, out there. Um, they don't have a single guy averaging more than 10 rebounds per game, uh, and they only have one guy averaging more than five rebounds per game. So when you have nobody averaging over 10, you'd like to see those rebounds distributed a little bit more. Uh, but unfortunately, they, they're just not getting the rebounds like they need to. Um, so they are playing good defense, but I think they were kind of exposed against some better teams like Butler, A&M, and, and VCU to a certain extent, uh, being able to rebound off of them. Uh, Burke, what are your thoughts? I mean, last place in an eight-team tournament, that is beyond a rough outing. Um, especially when you end it on the team you used to coach right. like that, that is so gutting. And, uh, it's, it's last season, they had a fun run in the big 10, but like Frank was talking, it's, it's a whole new identity to the squad. And you had initially thought, and I'm sure Penn state fans were like, man, we are going to miss Jalen Pickett in the booty ball offense. But the most glaring thing to me has been just the drop in shooting that the absence of Seth Lundy and Andrew Frunk. Mm-hmm. Funk has left like those guys were incredible from beyond the arc last season and they are desperately missed on this squad yeah I mean uh Jameel Brown is the only one shooting over well I guess Dunn is shooting 40 percent but the only one shooting over 40 percent from three uh on this team and I don't even think he's taken all that many threes so uh yeah it's definitely yeah it's lions lurking in the tall grass on the perimeter it just doesn't scare you like it did last year yeah. Yeah. I, I, unfortunately, I'm a little concerned. You know, I think you're right, Frank. I think by midseason, they'll really find themselves together. I, unfortunately, I just, the Big Ten, it's such a you can lose any night type of conference that even when they do start to get it together, there's not going to be any teams on the schedule. Maybe Minnesota. I know they lost to San Francisco, uh, but San Francisco is generally a, an okay team. I don't put a, a ton of, you know, anything bad on that. Uh, but still, I mean, Minnesota might be your only one. And even them, I feel like are a little bit better than maybe uh, some people give them credit for, but uh, yeah, just things not looking great right now for Penn state. Uh, If there are any positives, if there's anything good to look at, uh, do we have anything, Frank? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, really, the uh, the addition of Wahab, you know, I think has been fantastic. Uh, I mean, 134.5 offensive rating on the season so far. You know, he's the one in there making the hustle plays. You know, he's rebounding hard. He's playing really good defensively. And he's experienced. This is the third team he's played for. You know, it was a great transfer in from Georgetown. And, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, none of the guys brought in you know, from VCU have, have really materialized offensively yet. Like I said, it's still – Still a young season, but you know the the emerging guy, obviously as well, is uh, Kanye Clary, who's who's played really well. It's not shooting the ball fantastic, but in terms of you know the overall scoring efficiency, one hundred five offensive rating, and he's the most used player. Uh, be really curious to see what happens. He's a little undersized for the Big Ten, but I think um, you know there's a little bit of Braden Smith in him, and he's got a little bit of moxie uh, to his game. So I'll be I'll be really curious to see how he continues to develop to develop as a player. And that's what we're used to seeing from these Penn State teams. We're used to seeing Moxie. We're seeing, used to seeing guys who play hard and, and, and do kind of the little things that you need them to do. Ace Baldwin certainly does that. I don't know if he uh, would be considered doing as well as he did at VCU. Uh, he's definitely making an impact. 14 points a game. Um, he is only averaging two turnovers a game. He's kind of leading this team on offense in some ways. But you're right, Clary's kind of leading the points there. Uh, what is it? 16.7 points per game so he's a leading scorer um but 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 i think you're right i think that you know they can rely on uh wahab uh, doing those kind of little things making those things happen burke you have any final thoughts on penn state before we get out of here nope nope i'm no. good all right. Uh, before we move on to our next game, I do want to remind you about cbb analytics cbb analytics.com is where you can find all <coughs> jeez cough in the middle of the ad read you can find all of your college basketball analytics needs. They're a great resource for me. I love uh, just going on there, searching through things, figuring stuff out. It helps me do my show prep. Really appreciate them, what they do. Uh, they give me a free pro tier just so that way I can tell you about it. And uh, and, the, and their free content is great as well. So even if you're not paying for it, you can still get really good content just by the free stuff over there. So go check them out, CBB Analytics. They do great stuff. Check them out. All right, Burke, we're going to talk about your team. Indiana wins 89 to 76. Was kind of close there in the first half. Uh, were they were winning. winning. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, but, you know, Indiana pulled it out. Um, I don't, I don't know if I ever thought Harvard was going to win, but it definitely didn't look good. What were your thoughts on this one, Burke? Uh, my thoughts are that we need to immediately get that freshman point guard that Harvard had. That kid, Malik, uh, Mack, that dude is a bucket. Yeah. And, uh, uh, just uh, really the Hoosiers did put it together in the second half. They really did. Um, our front court was dominant and Malik or Mackenzie and Baco finally had the game that we've all been hoping for. We, I mean, as a, as Hoosier fans, we are very quick to just put all faith and all trust in these freshmen. Right. But man, when you're, you, if this team is going to be doing anything of prominence, it come March, McKenzie needs to find his game, and that starts on the defensive end. He has been a defensive negative throughout the entire start of this first six games, but it, it seems like he came out with an effort in this game to a really a real conscious effort to get involved on that end, and it turned into just offensive productivity that we hadn't seen from him, that we desperately need from him, that we desperately uh, were going to rely on at the start of the season. And then just as far as what there is to love about this team, like Malik Renew has taken his game to another level. He really has. Like if you're talking sophomore bumps, that guy's right up there with, with the best of them. Um, he, he's been a very reliable force, but the single most reliable force on this team 
has been Kalel Ware, who is bringing it game in and game out when his motor was the question we all had at the front of our minds going into this season. It's crazy how he's been answering the call. And it is in in juxtaposition to that, it is alarming how our veteran guards have it. The perimeter defense is on them. And defense has been like the baseline of Mike Woodson's entire tenure at Indiana. And if we don't have that, we have nothing to build upon. It, it's It's been troubling watching the lack of cohesion that you you right for better or worse you kind of blame that on the veteran captains of this team well Gabe Cups has come in and he has been all defense you know obviously he plays well on offense as well but man that that guy when he gets in there he's just an energy bunny for your defense that you need um and to me it's it's kind of surprising that you're not getting that from a Trey Galloway you know I, I know Xavier Johnson he he's always energetic but I would think coming in being this you know come back what is he a fifth year senior or something sixth. like that sixth, sixth. Year senior he uh, is you, damn near a doctor of basketball <laughs> Like, he, would, he he can't afford to be doing this. It's killing us. Right. You would think he would come in and be kind of that defensive presence. Uh, but, you know, the thing I noticed the most in the first half talking about uh, was when he went down with, like, what, four minutes left or something like that in the first half. Uh, the team, not to say they looked lost, but they didn't seem to be playing as well after he went down. That's when Harvard got the lead and, and it started to extend it a little bit more. But um, I don't know. I don't know if this team is better or worse without Xavier Johnson, but I feel like they need Xavier Johnson. So hopefully he can come back from that in- injury soon. What what this team needs most is confidence in their shooting. Like Trey Galloway, you're watching this team take shots and his confidence in his own shot just deflates anybody watching the game like i i love trey galloway's game he attacks the rim hard as hell he has confidence when he's attacking the rim but when see it's a, it's a trait that jalen hood shafino embodied like jalen hood shafino could miss 53 point shots but he took every shot like the next 75 were going right in mm-hmm. and and it's almost like Trey shot 47% from beyond the arc last year. Like if that doesn't warrant some confidence in you, I don't know what would. And uh, it's just, it is troubling that the biggest question is the, uh, the presence that we thought we were going to be able to rely on this season. Yeah. I mean, you definitely looked for more from Trey. Uh, I think he's got it there. Uh, I just think he needs to put it, all together. Uh, Frank, because Burke said some nice things about Purdue, you do need one nice thing to say. At least IU. one. Come on. <laughs> oh, I've got I've got some nice things uh, okay. for sure. Uh, well, what, one thing I'll say is that, you know, throughout Xavier Johnson's tenure at Indiana, he has been so highly regarded by the fan base. And I've never understood why. But I see it now. I do. I saw against Army, like he was the guy who I want to say rallied the troops against Army, but he he got the team going. Like he was he was commanding the floor. Like he he has the intangibles and he he has a certain presence about him where you listen to what he says. Like you're right, he has a PhD in basketball at this point. Why shouldn't you? Um, but you know, McKenzie and Baco, I mean, he's he's kind of been a, a bit of a letdown offensively, and and I think the you know the the view of him has kind of shifted from, you know, this is the guy that's going to get us, you know, to, to a championship, to a final four or two, like, well, now he has, has to develop. Um, but yeah, I mean, d- defensively he has struggled. You can, 
you know, it's not hard to look on Twitter and see all sorts of breakdowns of him getting lost and, you know, missing his, his man. But man, it, like Khalil Ware has been awesome. He, he terrifies me. Like he really terrifies me as someone who could actually give Zach Eady some problems. Like he is, he's scary. I mean, he's shooting the ball well. He's not shooting a ton, but he's four for eight from three. He's getting the line a lot. He's blocking balls like crazy. I mean, that's, I did not expect that from him. And I also didn't expect the leap from Renew. And I, I mean, from the fan base as a whole, is, is, that, is that a surprise to you all? Uh, we were all expecting a leap, but we didn't know that it was going to be this substantial right out of the gate. Like he really, the, the weight he put on this offseason was a, a large amount and he desperately needed it. But he is utilizing it with a physicality that none of that he didn't have at all last season. Last season, I mean, his footwork is natural to him. It's, it's it, the best facet of his game is his ability to dance down low. But now that he's able to uh, kind of throw some weight around it, weight around while he's doing that, he has just been exploiting some front courts. What I think Indiana is missing right now, just in, in my opinion, is is someone like Miller Cop, right? Someone who just has a ton of gravity and who keeps defenses sucked to that corner, right? Because I, I I think about you know the Purdue Indiana game at Assembly Hall last season. I mean he he lit us up because we would just help a little too much in the paint and boom there he was right. And so Trey Galloway hasn't proven to be that guy this season. And ultimately, like someone has to step up and be that that three point threat. Like well, if you give him a foot of space, he's going to hit the shot. And ultimately, that, that's what this offense needs, I think, in order to click completely. But you're right. I mean, Mike Woodson has has made a living so far at Indiana on the defensive end. And this just isn't what we expect from an Indiana team. But in your opinion, what do they need to, to turn it around? Is it is it just practice? Is, is it scheme? What, 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 what do you see there? It's uh, it's buying into it's just buying in like uh, they definitely brought an effort. Well, McKenzie in particular. Like he brought an effort into the Harvard game that we hadn't seen all season, and it turned into his most prosperous night. He had 18 points in that game, mm-hmm. um, and like he is able to shoot that three, and we need him to be that outside force that is going to draw some people uh, from the interior where Kalel and Malik have. It. They could be one of the most dominant. They could be the most dominant. Other Zachy, uh, Zachy. He's the most dominant player in the front court. But as far as a tandem go, they could be one of the most feared in this conference. But it 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 will take clearing it out a bit. Like we, we can't have all that traffic down low. And that could be Trey as well. Like I still have faith that Trey will find these shots. Like he, he can't keep shooting at the rate he is. But until he he buys into his own game, it, it, you just don't see the end of it right now. Well, I, I have concerns about McKenzie and Baco, but he, he did answer those somewhat against Harvard with the 18 points, like you said. But still, he only went one for five from three points. Um, I got to be honest. I really I really feel like he's more of a four. Um, you know, 6'8", 217. He's a little bit undersized for that in college. That's an okay size. Uh, but at the next level, uh, he, that really won't be a great size in the NBA for that. But I tell you, I, I just don't, I don't like his perimeter game enough for him to be a consistent three. I think he can play the three, but I'd really like to see him more at the four uh, more often. And I think that's kind of why you're seeing a bit more of the jumbled, you know, paint area and stuff. That's why you see Kalel Ware having to come out and, and shoot the three a little bit more, which thankfully he's good at. Like you said, four for eight. That's really good for a seven footer to be able to shoot like that. But looking at it, you know, I think I think McKenzie Mbako needs to find his place on this offense a little bit more. And I really feel like once he starts hitting these threes, um, it's going to not only help him, 
you know, confidence wise, but it's going to help him, you know, moving around the offense more and helping some of those things. Am I off base there? What do you think, Burke? No, I mean, part of that was him finding his place in the offensive, like down low on the boards. He he had eight rebounds. Yeah. Him and Khalil tied uh, game high rebounds in that game. Right. And it, it really was just a effort that he brought that he hadn't previously. And it's like, that's the most frustrating thing about this team this season. It's how do you not bring that? Like that effort can make up for it's so cliche, but it can make up for so much. Right. And yeah, you just can't afford not to bring it. My, uh, my in-laws have season tickets to, uh, to IU and uh, they actually got to sit courtside for the army game and uh, it was interesting to because they they came back and told us that you know when you're courtside you hear everything. I don't know if you guys have ever sat courtside before, uh, but you hear everything when you're courtside. And uh, they they were surprised how much Mike Woodson was getting into Mackenzie Mbako and Xavier Johnson and Kalel Ware. I mean, the, you know, like <laughs> my uh, my mother in law said, I don't think I would ever say what he was saying to them, <laughs> <own> children. <laughs> hey, he, yeah, we need it. We need it. But I mean, that's that's what uh, he preached that he was going to put on Kalel the whole time. He was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to tell you how it is. And Kalel's game is speaking for itself in that regard. Right. And I think that's what you need. I mean, Kalel, where he, he leads the team in almost every category. I think assists is the only one that he doesn't lead it in. Uh, but 17 points per game, eight, you know, nine rebounds per game, a steal, 1.7 blocks. I mean. He he is the engine that's making this team run right now. Uh, so maybe that hard coaching is just exactly what he needed. So yeah. All right, let's move on to. The- hey, before we oh, before go we go on, I still believe that this team's best ball lies ahead of them. I want to oh, make that too. abundantly clear. I agree. Once this team can figure it out, like we we have all the talent to be a threat, and uh, here's hoping that this Maryland game can be the start of something great. And I will say, I like the way. Mike Woodson is coaching this team because, you know, I, I've been to one game and I've watched, you know, all their games on TV. And there are just certain times where like the offense is not going well or the defense is not going well. And Mike Woodson doesn't sell them out. He just, he leaves them out there and he's like, figure it out. If you're well, going to lose well, to Harvard, you're going to lose to Harvard, figure it out. You know? Well, part of the toughest stretches of our play has been him doing this platoon system subbing, which it just doesn't allow for a continuous rhythm in the game at all. And uh, you almost hope that he took these non-conference lesser opponents as an opportunity to see who he will be able to use when he trims it to like eight players. Yeah. But it's been tough when he does that platoon swap. He's playing almost 10 or 11 guys per game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because CJ Gunn, Gabe Cups, they're all getting time. Uh, Which CJ Gunn, he needs to step it up a little bit if he wants to find himself in that rotation. So, all right, let's move on to Michigan. They go one and two in the battle for Atlantis. Uh, A little bit of a hard time for Michigan here. They were able to defeat Stanford, but they lost to Memphis. They lost to Texas Tech. Um, Not really a super close game against Texas Tech. Michigan started really well. Doug McDaniel was having a good time. Uh, Phil Martelli is still coaching this team. I kind of feel like I like Phil Martelli coaching a little bit more than I do Juwan Howard. Um, I don't know, but we do hope that Juwan Howard gets back soon. Uh, Frank, what were some of your thoughts on Michigan in this tournament? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the the loss to Memphis is by no means a, a bad loss, you know, and 
But I think, you know, the really big surprise was not necessarily the loss to Texas Tech, but, you know, the the dominance from Texas Tech. And like, you know, you know what you're going to get when you play Texas Tech. You're going to get the no middle scheme. They're going to force you baseline. They're going to ice every ball screen. And, and Michigan just didn't have a ton of an answer for that. I feel like they overperformed early on. Doug McDaniel hit some shots. Um, but like ultimately, I, I, I was really surprised to see that. And again, this is a team who, who's, you know, lost, you know, they lost Jet Howard. They lost Hunter Dickinson, who a lot of their offense flowed through. They kind of used him as a DHO hub. I mean, and so they're still trying to figure out their identity. And, and you know, it's something that every team goes through when they lose such an integral piece like that. But, you know, it's it's shifting into the, the, the Doug McDaniel show in Michigan. And they're still trying to figure out, you know, how, how that all fits together. But one guy who I really like has been Taurus Reed. Um, I feel like they need to get him involved even more than he has been. Uh, because he he looks the part. He's big. He's physical. Uh, he 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 brings an element that I don't feel like is matched matched by anyone else on this team. And I feel like he can he can kind of step in there and take some of that you know that Hunter Dickinson dribble handoff action that we saw them run a lot of with him and kind of take some of that rollover. Um, but ultimately, you know this they, this team is, has a lot of talent. They're stacked from top to bottom. I don't expect this to to be the norm for them this season. And I uh, you know with how they're shooting the ball, currently ranked forty fifth uh, in the country in three point shooting. I expect to see them um, uh, turn things around. I know I've said that a lot tonight, but I really do have high hopes for a lot of these Big Ten teams right now. That's, that's sometimes how it goes with the Big Ten teams is they 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 struggle a little bit in the out of conference, and then they get into the conference play, and it's like you know they they just figure each other out so much better. And I think sometimes it's the consistency the consistency of the coaches that have known each other pretty well, those kind of things. But um, you know, all, all I will say about Michigan is I, I hope for them. And I say this as a Buckeye, so I'm being, I'm being nice to you here, Michigan fans. Um, I hope for them that it does not turn into the Doug McDaniel show because he is electric. He is a really good offensive player. I think he's he's okay on defense too. He's not he's not awful. Uh, 1.3 steals. He's doing a good job there. But um, but if they're not careful, if the season does get start to get away from them, it could just turn into the Doug McDaniel show. Uh, and and after seeing the Bryce Sensabaugh show last year, I don't think you want that <laughs> uh, to happen. Burke, what are your thoughts on? Uh, Michigan. I initially out of the gate, I drank the Kool Aid after their crazy start. I really did. Like uh, I, I still believe Doug McDaniel is like a top uh, three or four point guard in this conference. And uh, I mean, he again, he's just the type of point guard that you would love to have in your college basketball right. program. So a, a guard bringing all that that isn't going to get a sniff from the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like that, what's more valuable than that right now? And uh, it's just this this performance really just made you think about all their wins up to here. Like uh, it's just a realization that this St. John's team might not be what the national media prompted it up to be to start the season. And then they beat Stanford. But that is a Stanford team that lost to that Santa Clara team by 12 points. And uh, I mean, Frank, you you said that everything that this Santa Clara team has this year, they're uh, Ken Palm and that, but we saw the Buckeyes just run them off the floor. And I, I know it isn't transitive property. It isn't a sure thing here in college basketball, but it, it, this w- should be a wake-up call to the Wolverines who were who had to be feeling high going into this one. Yeah, I mean they had they had a reason to feel high too. I mean, yeah. you know, nearly ninety points per game their first three games. I mean they they completely shut down St. John's. Uh, you know their defense just wasn't, and it was at St. John's too. I mean that's a Rick Pitino team. You know Rick Pitino, even though it is a new team, 
they're well-coached teams. And so you, you shut that down. Uh, you know, you, you deserve credit for that, but the loss to Long Beach after that, just couldn't play any defense, allowing Long Beach State to score 94 on you. Uh, I, I just think that Michigan has to take a look in the mirror and say, are we going to play enough defense to help ourselves and to help our offense out to win these games that we need to win? Because they're, they're going to upset a few teams in the Big Ten just by offensive loan. Uh, it's it's going to happen at some point. Um, but if they can really figure out that defense, they'll be more consistent with who they need to be. So uh, Olivier Nakomo has been oh, impressive yeah. since he's entered. And it, yeah, that, that is a that is something to build on for them. I think him and Doug McDaniel are like the highest forward guard duo uh, points combined duo in the Big Ten. They're yeah. like scoring 36 points a game together or something like that, which is just wild, wild. Yeah, so he definitely deserves credit as well. All right, let's take a look at Iowa. This is our last one we're going to look at. Uh, and then I, I do want to talk a little bit uh, about just the Iowa team and, and who they are this season. They uh, they gave Creighton a good game, took them down. Creighton eventually won by eight, but in this tournament, they did split it one for one. They lost to Oklahoma, but they did beat Seton Hall. So I think there's some good things. I think there's some bad things, a little bit of everything to look at here with this Iowa team. But I think also this is just kind of a Fran McCaffrey team. I don't know if they're doing anything super different from what they normally are. They got good freshmen, so the future's bright. Uh, Frank, what are your thoughts on the Iowa Hawkeyes? Yeah, I, I think you said it when you said this is a typical Fran McCaffrey team, right? Uh, you know, all offense and, and struggling on the defensive end, for sure. I mean, uh, Ben, is it Creaky? Uh, I've heard it pronounced multiple ways. Uh, yeah, ben Creaky's yeah, been right. been great for them. You know, transferred in from Valparaiso, is averaging 18.3 points per game, you know, 124 offensive rating. I mean, that's that. I don't think anyone expected that. You know, he is one for two from three on the season. I'm curious to see how good of a shooter he is, but you know, really when you're putting up 18 points a game, that's, that's not really a concern. You know, you're getting it done one way or another, um, you know, uh, Sanford, you know, he's, he's no stranger to anyone who follows big 10 basketball, you know, he's, he's putting up a respectable 15, um, you know, Tony Perkins, 11 and a half. He's, he's, you know, a veteran who's been around for a long time, but, you know, with, with the, you know, the typical friend McCaffrey team, you know, being a lot of offense and, and limited defense, there's always, there's always the games like they're, they're good for like two or three, maybe sometimes four upsets in a season. And Iowa is a team right now that just terrifies me because they're a team that can catch fire from three. You know, the one thing that's impressive about them, too, is they take care of the basketball. They're only fourth. Uh, they have the fourth lowest turnover percentage in college basketball right now. Um, so, you know, they're, they're a, a, an experienced team, a senior led team, and they're a team that is going to really make some noise. They're going to really shake up the Big Ten standings, I think. And I, I, I fear that it might be against Purdue, unfortunately. I mean, it's always possible whenever you have the offensive output that somebody like Iowa has. I know I was I was talking a lot about Michigan like that, but um, but but you're right. I think that the senior leadership is here more with Iowa. They have really good freshmen, but uh, they have that senior leadership they need to to make those things happen and to really shake things up. I think the biggest thing with Fran McCaffrey teams is they're they're always able to beat you, but they're never able, in my mind at least, they're never it never able to be that consistent team who's going to win the tournament or who's going to make it to the elite eight or the final four or anything like that, because they, they just rely on their offense so much. I don't know if they can put it together for three, four games in a row against really tough teams. And historically they're, they're never out of a game either. Right. You know, you can be up 15 against a Fran McCaffrey team and blink. And then it's a three point game every time, but you're, you're absolutely right. And that unfortunately, you know, you don't expect them to make a deep tournament run or, or win the, win the conference, but you know, any given night, their their ability to, to upset anybody is is pretty high. I feel like higher than in any really other any Big Ten team that we've seen recently. 
And and it's the nature of their game. Like these upsets aren't even it's it's the most shot like the most drastic upsets there are. Yeah. Like their ability I mean, Iowa gonna Iowa. That's just how it is. They they can look like world beaters one night when all their shots are falling, and they look flat as hell if they aren't. Well, like, it was like uh, last year against Ohio State was the team that like broke their twelve game losing streak or something like that. And everybody thought, Oh, Ohio State's back, and then like now you go on a six game yeah. losing streak after <laughs> Sorry, bro. Go ahead. No, no, it is. It, it, that, it's it's just the nature of this program. It's so wild that he can do it year after year without a letdown and just how they are. The the identity of the squad remains constant. No matter what brothers you're throwing out there, it remains constant. Like, I like in that. a night in a night where they are converting 17 percent on threes like they were in that Oklahoma game. They stand a next to absolute zero chance of winning that game. But, I mean, on top of that, like, the most punchable face in this conference, Peyton Sanford. When he's going over on the night, good luck, Iowa. But, Does Iowa have the record for most punchable faces year in and year out? Because I always heard people say that about uh, Jordan Bohannon. Yeah, I mean, Peyton Sanford, I, I said this on my podcast. I was like... Peyton, if if the Cold War was on the line and Peyton Sanford had a step in the ring with Ivan Drago, I would have to root for Ivan Drago. I I just cannot stand that kid. And then uh, it's as, with Crick with Cricky. It, it has been against this competition. I I am interested to see once the brutal like just the brutal nature of Big Ten play gets into it how how his game translates there. And then uh, I just wanted to end this saying in full con- like full transparency, this is the one head that Mike Woodson still has to collect out of the Big Ten. We have yet to beat Iowa. So I'm just – it's man, Iowa is a sore, sore subject for me. <laughs> there you go, Iowa fans. That's your, that's your compliment after – Yeah, there you go. The yeah, you guys, you guys have our number. But, God, you have some punchable faces. <laughs> You know what? It's kind of a compliment because you only hate people that are good, right? You're not going to be like, oh, I can't stand, you know. It's somewhere in the brain next to love. It's somewhere in the brain next to love. Yeah. So, (laughs) Iowa fans, we're saying some good things about you. It just might not sound too nice. Um, Frank, you got your buddy here, Dylan. Uh, Hey, I know that Frank guy. Dude's got a big old brain. And uh, some may say the Boiler Express podcast is a punchable fan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so i guess they're uh they got the most punchable faces in the big banter sports but uh yeah no i think i think this iowa team you know like i said the tournament thing watch them this year make a deep run in the tournament and make me eat my words because it's gonna happen at some point there's going to be a year where they where they get hot in the tournament and they make an elite eight and challenge for the final four something like that i just don't think that they're built to do that year in and year out uh and make those things happen so so i'm going to drop a um an unplanned question, just just, okay. just for fun, really quick. Over under four and a half, do we see Francon come out this season? How many times? You're gonna take the under or the over? Uh, I mean, it happens almost more than that every season. So I, feel I, like I I think this stands to be his most frustrating season. And I mean, he doesn't have a Murray. Yeah, it, I I'm taking the over there. If he can stare down another ref, that's what I want to see. That was that. That was hilarious. That was all time. That was classic. Oh, my God. (laughs) I don't know who was more uncomfortable, him or the ref. But yeah. Oh, my God. Or just everybody watching at home. I think that had to be it. 
was it him or the ref that stepped forward? I think he stepped forward, didn't he? I think he did, and the ref the ref did not care at all. Yeah, just, he just, just stared right back. Yeah, that was. Oh my god. Oh man, I love I love and I hate Fran at the same time. I yeah he, yeah again just a very punchable face in this <laughs> on this team. All right, god, uh, you love you love to hate that guy. Yeah, you do, you do. Uh, unplanned question, but so, so since Frank asked one, I get to ask one, right? Uh, just give me your top three teams in the Big Ten right now. Who do you like playing the best basketball? I'll go first, so make sure you guys got some time to think. Uh, I think right now my top three teams, obviously Purdue. I don't think there's anybody playing better than them right now. I don't think there's anybody that's questioning them. I think they might lose a game or two in the Big Ten, but I think that's more just because some teams get hot and maybe find the right groove at the right time, but I don't think anybody's going to question Purdue. Purdue's winning the conference this year. Uh, my number two team, after beating Alabama, I think it's got to be Ohio State. Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale look really good. Um, you know, and, and like I said, Felix Akpara is being that defensive guy that they need, and Zed Key's coming off the bench. I like them. Uh, and then my third team's probably Illinois. Um, they get a little inconsistent here or there, uh, but Terrence Shannon Jr., you cannot deny he's a good player. And when Coleman Hawkins is on, with both those guys are playing well, Really, really tough team to beat, uh, so I like Illinois as well. Uh, Frank, who would you say are your top three right now? Yeah, I was looking at the um, you know the basketball power rankings and saw that ours were pretty different from everyone yeah. else, so my answer is going to be a little unique here. Um, yeah, I I, um, I think anyone who doesn't put Purdue number one right now has just a personal vendetta against Purdue. They might be an IU um, fan. Yeah, yeah, they could be. <laughs> um, number two, I actually have Wisconsin. Um, okay. I think they have a lot of momentum right now. You know, they're just smacking Virginia the way they did, right? Uh, granted, like Tennessee, Providence, like they did drop those games, but they seem to have turned it around. And then, you know, against Western Illinois tonight, 71-49, I mean, they defensively, they look great. Offensively, they, they look great. Um, you know, they, they're a very complete team, I think. And then I actually had the Buckeyes number three for the same reason, mostly because the Alabama win, not just the fact that they won, but how they won. I mean, they were just scoring points left and right, hitting threes, playing, I mean, they were playing good defense. Alabama hit a bunch of tough, tough shots, but uh, right now, you know, through, you know, six, seven games for each team. Those are my top three. Uh, Don't look now, Frank, but, um, Oh shoot. I meant to pull it up. Braden Smith might get a double, double tonight after we were just giving him all that praise. I'm hoping he gets a triple double this season or triple double tonight. Sorry. Oh, wow. Oh man. Rebounds, nine assists, I think and 18 points. Painter will pull him. He won't keep him in guaranteed. (laughs) (laughs) Painter uh, does Burke. not care about stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Burke, what are your top three? Um, I mean, it's it's Purdue number one. It's Purdue number one, yeah. and uh, I, I like I every everyone keeps talking about this Wisconsin team, and I must need to watch them more because the one game I did watch them was Providence, and then I watched them quite a bit last season, and I just thought, hey, they're bringing back a lot of the same. And uh, people can talk about, hey, they're bringing back a a lot of experience. But I thought that experience kind of hit its ceiling last season. Um, Connor Asijan hasn't taken the stride that everyone thought he was going to. Um, I would say after Alabama, I'm going to put Ohio State number two. In my number three spot, I would have have Illinois. Um, But what what I will say about Illinois, they – they play their best ball when Coleman Hawkins is on. Right. But since he's gone down, the time that Dane Danger has taken on 
has, I, it had to have shown Underwood the reliability that he offers this team. Like it, it's not as it can't be like as fiery offensively as it is with Coleman Hawkins, but it is a reliable baseline that he will be able to, to depend on. Um, but yeah, for my three, I'm going to go ahead and put the Huskers up there. Like, go ahead. They, they're, they're playing great. They're undefeated. Um, the moment they lose to Creighton, I, I'm going to remove them from that. But <laughs> until then, yeah, let's let's go ahead and put them there. You got to believe, Burke. Believe in. Uh, believe. In yeah, the- I hope so, man. I hope so. Uh, Frank, he did get the double double. He just got another assist. So uh, 19 points, 10 assists, eight rebounds. Might get that triple double. We'll see. But uh, definitely the double double. And Fletcher Lawyer, two points. <laughs> You just never know what you're going to get from him, do you? Yeah, no, you don't. You don't. So, all right. Well, hey, uh, you guys got any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, no, no. All right. No, hey, hey, glad we could keep it civil, Frank. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, look forward to uh, touching base with you and having you on this. uh, Yeah, yeah. Let's let's get let's start creating some stuff together. Yeah, absolutely. This was fun, guys. For sure. Yeah, you guys, welcome back anytime. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Big Ten Huddle. Uh, we hope you come back. We are going to be a little bit more chaotic in December, just to let you know. I went ahead and I posted the schedule for what things are going to look like on Twitter. I have that pinned, so it won't be your normal like football episodes on Sunday and Wednesday, basketball on Tuesday, just because... It's going to be chaotic with bowl season. It's going to be chaotic with how many days the Big Ten takes off around Christmas and then they come back. So it's going to be a little bit more chaotic. Go ahead and check that out. I also posted it on YouTube as well, and I don't post on YouTube very often, so it should be pretty easy to find that post in the community section there. Uh, but other than that, just thanks for coming. Uh, check out Big Manta Sports, BigMantaSports.com for all your Big Ten media needs. We appreciate it. Appreciate you being here, Burke, and appreciate you being here, Frank. Have a good night, guys. Thank you. Hey, Trey Calloway, trust your shot. We 